Hey everyone, Felice Gerwitz here, and I want to share with you something that is dear to my heart, and that is saving you money. Can you use encouragement for your homeschool journey? Have you been searching for an online learning program designed to ground your family in a Christian worldview? Well, now you can at MediaAngelsMembership.com. Our affordable membership packages fit your budget and busy life. Now you can access customized membership packages for your homeschooling family from the extensive Media Angels Library of Books, classes, and Bible studies. You may select the ebook bundle, the creation bundle, the premium bundle, or the forever bundle. Each bundled set will save you vast amounts of money. Our packages begin at less than $10 and you can use it for the whole family. So go to MediaAngelsMembership.com for more information. That's MediaAngelsMembership.com. You'll be glad you did. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Your host, Felice Gerwitz, is an author, a publisher, and your radio show host. She will encourage, educate, and inspire you with answers to your most pressing questions from homeschool, marriage, parenting, and much more. Felice loves to equip moms to live a Christian life because every moment counts. Be sure to visit her website at MediaAngels.com. And here's your host, Felice Gerwitz. and welcome. This is Felice Gerwitz with an episode of Vintage Homeschool Moms. And today I am going to continue my series of interviews. And we are starting off here uh, with with one of our own. And that is uh, one of our new podcasters. So if you've been on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, you have seen that we have been very busy and we have added uh, some new podcasters. So I'm excited because I'm going to be introducing um, the person behind homeschoolwithtechnology.com, and that is Meryl Vandemerva. Welcome, Meryl. Thank you. So happy to have you, and I love your accent, which I think I've told you about 10 times, um, which always makes it fun to listen to you. And you have um, you know, quite some story about your homeschool journey and also um, the fact that you teach about coding on your website, and you can go to fundafundaacademy.com, and that's F-U-N-D-A, F-U-N-D-A, academy.com. So, Meryl, first share with us a little bit about your homeschool journey. So, um, my children were all born in South Africa, where we have lived most, we lived most of our life. Um, my husband is Zimbabwean, but we met at the University of Cape Town. While we were living in South Africa, they all attended public or private schools. And when we moved to America in 2003, we assumed that would continue. However, in South Africa, your school year ends in December. And of course, when we moved, it was January and we were right uh, in the middle of a school year here in America. So we decided to keep the kids out of um, the public schools and homeschool them because we'd heard about homeschooling. So we thought we'd try that for a few months just so that they wouldn't have to go to school and be very awkward in the middle of the year. And I decided that, you know, we'd just learn everything that they needed to do so that when they went to school, they'd be up to speed. 
But we got plugged into our local um, homeschool support group that our church runs and started loving the whole concept of homeschooling. And my three older children had all been at public and private school and they decided homeschooling was a lot more fun. They liked the flexibility. <laughs> they liked the fact that um, they could, you know, go deeper into subjects they enjoyed. I liked the fact I could make it um, challenging. We also discovered that the schools in our area were not very academically challenging. So came to about uh, April, we took a vote and everybody chose to stay homeschooling. Oh, I love it. And how old were your kids at this time? Um, at that point, my oldest was uh, 12 and the youngest was three. So the younger one was just being a nuisance. Um, but the, <laughs> then my boys were, there were seven and nine. So they would all have been going into, it would have been grades three, five, and eight um, when we started. Mm-hmm. Got two boys in the middle okay. and girls on either side. Okay. So I've got two of each. Oh, okay. So Two of each. Wonderful. Well, that is something else. So you have been coding. So share us a a little bit about that. You know, is like, was this your profession before you got married or a major in college? How did you get into this? Okay. So, um, started through my father, actually. Um, my dad is a, uh, electronic engineer and so he was obviously interested as the computer started coming out and South Africa was a bit behind America but we did get an Apple computer one of the first ones that came into America into South Africa and when I was at high school uh, we had the opportunity to do computer programming it wasn't at our school I actually had to travel by bus once a week and I did that and um, actually got that as like equivalent of American credits And I went to university Mm -hmm. and did not do any computer programming until my final year in which I did just one class. And I actually majored in English and German, but I couldn't find a job like that. And in addition, during the vacations, I had by this stage met my husband and he and I were running computer um, coding classes for children and making a lot more money than all our friends were doing typical jobs. We found a place we could wow. rent computers because people there was there wasn't the day of laptops, so it was a long time ago. Right. We found a way and we set up a room and we, we we had these computer camps. I had visited America and we'd seen these there. So then I actually got to work at Shell South Africa and they trained me in computer programming, so more languages. Um, and I had been teaching myself some things as well. And so I worked there a while in their payroll department doing the programming. Um, and then after we got married, I actually stopped and we ended up starting our own little coding business. My husband was selling computers and um, I was programming for some of the clients. Um, and so I just, a lot of it was just self-taught. And when uh, I got to America and we started homeschooling, we discovered that people had this idea that they knew their children needed to learn to code, but they didn't know where to start. And I had already started teaching my children to code and discovered that Scratch was a really good language to start with. I taught myself the language. And then I just saw this gap in the market. And I started initially at our our co-op where I was teaching and taught live classes. But I transitioned to online because I realized that there everybody can go at their own speed. And it was a lot easier teaching it online than live where somebody wants to carry on, somebody's still stuck. And this way the students could listen to me um, it was all recorded, stop, go back if they didn't understand, and they could still get help when they needed to. Mm-hmm. And so how old would a child need to be 
you know, to, to take one of your courses online? To take my classes, I, I do first have an introduction to game programming class, which fourth and fifth graders can start doing um, very easily. It's just um, four modules. And it's really an introduction and to help them understand and even help parents understand what goes into programming. It's not even all coding, only the last module is that. We do logic, we do game graphics, and we do um, just how to design a game. Um, and it's all with free software. There is a free version, so you can go along and have a look uh, and, and grab that. And the paid one just gives you access to help if your children get stuck. And there are also prizes every semester. We select the ones who've done the best projects and we give them little gift cards. But that's, that's a good way to start and to see how your kids enjoy it. And then from there on, you can move on to Scratch, which I normally say is fifth grade and up. And Python, which is harder. Um, I, typically, the children are seventh or eighth grade and possibly already taken the Scratch class before they do it because that is a proper programming language that you can get a real job with. Whereas Scratch is being developed specifically to make it easy for kids to learn to program and to program games. So I just think, you know, sometimes parents hear about coding and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, there's no way I could help my child with that. So it's wonderful that you have this opportunity where kids could actually um, learn. And as you said, you know, I know of many people who code for a living that taught themselves because these platforms like your website were not available. So everyone go check out fundafundaacademy.com. And again, the links will be on the show notes at Vintage. Uh, homeschool moms. And actually, the topic for today's um, you know, talk, we just delved right in, is uh, three tech tips for busy homeschool moms. And so again, you'll be able to find the show notes at Vintage Homeschool Moms. So you're going to be sharing with us just a little uh, taste of what they can find when they listen uh, to your podcast, Meryl, because you're all about um, you know, giving us some insider tips to make our lives easier. Um, you know, I don't have hours and hours and hours to devote to learn, let's say, Google Docs or, you know, any of the things that are out there. And that's where you come in because these things um, you do and they're so much um, easier when you know these things. Uh, so, so go ahead and share, um, you know, like the first tip. Let's do that one. Okay, so my first tip um, is to do with uh, keyboard shortcuts. Now, you probably all know how to do Control-C, or if you're on a, um, a Mac, you'll have Command-C to copy and Control-V to paste. But there are two others that are very helpful. And when you're a busy homeschool mom, you need some shortcuts. The first one is, you know how you might look up, you'll be searching for something, and you find a website that shows that whatever you're looking for is on there, and there's just tons and tons of text and you're scrolling down trying to find the part that actually answers your problem. Well, if you go control F, you actually will have a little search um, box, which will look, will help you to look for that within a website or within a document. Again, if you have a very long um, PDF and you want to search through and find the specific part, use control F. You may know that one though. This one though, you might not know. And this I don't know if you've done it, but I often do it. I'm busy working and I always have too many tabs open and I want to close one tab and by mistake, I close another one. And then I don't even know what's on that tab. And I know that I needed it, but I don't know what it is. You can get your tab back and there you go. Shift command T or shift control T and it will give back the last tab that you closed. So if you make a little error, there it is. 
Oh, that's wonderful. So if it's on a Mac, instead of the control, it would, I mean, yeah, instead of the control, it would be command. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use both computers and I record on my Mac. And I, I, you know, like they keep saying, um, you know, these, these are really good mind games and play these. And I told my husband, I play mind games every time I switch from a PC to a Mac, <laughs> which is multi times. Cause I also type on my Mac cause it's just easier on my hands. Um, even though I have a keyboard that mimics a Mac on, on my other PC is just, I type so much that it, it helps. So that's wonderful. And I, um, found out about the control F years ago and then I could never remember what it was Meryl so I would go online and it would take me 10 minutes to search for it because I didn't know what I was looking for so if you were searching for this function and you couldn't remember control F which I think there was something else well, the F is it. for fine so all you have to do really is remember the control keyboard shortcuts and that would give you there's, oh, there's more, but those are just two that I find useful and I have memorized because I need them. Right. That's wonderful. All right. And then um, you are going to tell us about a uh, shopping list on our phone. So you mean I don't have to use the little document thing that I can never, um, I have to update all the time. And so you, you said you have something that will help us with our shopping list. I love this. What is it? Yes. Well, I have to, I have to tell you that it was actually the younger of my two sons that found this app and told me, that he <laughs> put it on. Uh, I think it was because he wanted to make sure I didn't forget what he wanted me to get at the store. It's oh, called funny. Now they're probably more of them, but the one that I've been using for years, um, since, and my kids are when I left home, but, um, it's called, I say any list, A N Y L I S T. And um, it's definitely on the iPhone. Hopefully, um, I would think it would be on other phones too. You could you could also just use a Google Doc, but this and share it with your kids. But um, any list is nice because it's designed as a shopping list. You can first of all have different lists. So if you happen to go to in my area here, it would be Kroger, Aldi's, Trader Joe's, for instance. You could have different shopping lists for each of those stores. But you just start to type, and it will sort of understand what you're looking for. So you'll put in, you know, EG and it'll pop up eggs and you add eggs to the list. And the cool thing about it is it does, first of all, group similar things together. So if you're putting in pears, apples and potatoes, it's going to put them all together. So when you get to that section of the uh, supermarket, you, you can see everything at the same place. The other thing is um, that you can share that list with other people. So I shared it with everybody in the family who had a smartphone. There's a couple of very useful things here is that if somebody has not put something that they need on that list and then they say, well, why didn't you get it? You can say, well, was it on the list? And if it wasn't, it's their fault, not your fault. And it's <laughs> everybody, you know, so that's the thing is that the kids are somewhere and they get invited to a party and they're asked to bring, you know, two liters of Coke, they can pull out the phone and add it right then and there. They don't have to come back to write it on, you know, if you've got a list on the fridge. And uh, it also means that sometimes my husband would say, oh, I need to stop in at Kroger to pick up something. I'll get everything that's on the list. I don't have to try and send him the list in any sense. You know, I don't have to take a picture or anything else. Right. He has it automatically on his phone. Uh, also, you know, you're upstairs and you realize, oh, we're running out of toothpaste. You don't have to remember to come down and write it on a piece of paper. And of course, the written things on the piece of paper, I used to always leave the piece of paper behind. 
you know, oh, obviously you can just, as you say, just add it just simply to a list on your phone, but this way you can share it. And it's also, it's just, it organizes it nicely. And as I said, you can even have different lists for different stores if you need that. So it's been, it was a game changer for me. And even though there's just two of us here, I still use it. That's wonderful. And, oh, and you, you know, there it's, store, you actually, you just tap on each item and it gets, you know, you can kind of delete each item as you go along. So you can also see what you've bought already, which is another use. Good. Thing what's left right and it's statistically proven that if you have a list you spend less money you know and i just did that this morning i needed just some specific you know ketchup peanut butter jelly and um you know a couple of things and that was all i got because i had my list and and um you know i, I was able to zip through the store and get what i needed so that's great all right, and so I will um, do a quick search, and Meryl, you can too, and we'll find some other apps for other, like Android or um, you know, Google phones. I'm sure there are some out there, but we'll do a quick little search for that, and again, that will be on vintagehomeschoolmoms.com, and I look for three tech tips for busy homeschool moms. And then um, you are going to tell us about a scannable app. Right. Now, this one, I, I know you can get on any phone. A scannable, it's actually part of Evernote. So if you already know about Evernote and are using it, it's, it links directly into that. Uh, our printer is also a scanner, but it's a real pain to use. And when I discovered this app, it was one of those other things that revolutionized my life. Now, I know that, you know, if you have a document that you have to sign and uh, send somewhere, you could take a picture with your phone and send it, but it doesn't come out really well. Whereas the scannable app actually scans it. So you just take your phone and you hover it over the document and it finds, you just have to have it on a different color background and it actually finds where the document is, no matter what size it is. And it takes a much better resolution picture. So it's obviously still a picture, but it's not just like snapping it with your phone. And so it still looks like the document and there, isn't, there aren't edges around it. It literally just has the document, if this makes sense. You know, it's not like a, mm -hmm. a picture of right. a, something against your carpet or something. The carpet's not there, right. it's just the document. And then you can, you can then send it however you want. And straight from the app, you can... You can you know, message, you can email or however else you want to send the document. So it's just, it just makes scanning and sending really, really easy. What format is that? Is that in a, uh, like a, a picture or JPEG or PDF? Um, How you is can that choose, you can choose to do it. I think it's PNG or PDF. Those, well, those are the two that I always use. So okay. you can, you can send it as either. There is actually a, um, a, a toggle on it. So you just need to set up which one you want. Okay. And that's funny because I do have, uh, it's actually a paid app, but when my son and daughter were going, um, my daughter's transferring to another college and my son was entering college and there were so many documents they had to sign and we had to send us PDFs. So I ended up purchasing one because we needed something high quality and um, I believe you can even encrypt on it, which we don't. But, um, you know, just something I do personally is I don't ever send anything with sensitive information via email. I put it in Dropbox, which again, how safe is that? But you would think that I have a paid account again, um, that it, you know, even if I delete it, it's probably on a server somewhere. But, um, you know, I, I tend to, like someone wanted a W-9 for, from me the other day before they would pay a bill. And so I'm not going to put my you know, um, 
business idea out there for the world to see. Uh, so I, I uploaded in Dropbox, but I have a document sitting right here on my table that I signed <laughs> that I had to do that for. So it comes in really handy. Right. And um, that's so helpful. And, you know, I was sharing with you before we got on the line that I walked over to my printer. That's the same story we have, only we're in different states, <laughs> different houses, same story that your, you know, wireless printer is not, it doesn't, like I got it all connected to begin with. <clears throat> excuse me, and everything worked great. And, you know, everybody's printing things. And, you know, we're all, you know, cooking with gas here. And then um, I walked over to pick up the paper that I printed from my computer, and there wasn't. So I found um, an app that is a printer app that goes with my printer. And I have to use that specific app, which means I can't print from the document like you normally do, you just have to have it saved somewhere and then find it and then it prints. But, you know, there's always workarounds, but it's just, you know, we're such a immediate uh, gratification society, even those of us who didn't grow up with technology. And I feel that sometimes, Meryl, that that hurts us in the long run, you know, because it just took one more step. But, you know, if if I'm too lazy to get up and or send it to my other computer that is attached physically uh, to the printer, then it just makes it easier. Well, I, I, I do keep thinking of all these, you know, tech frustrations that we have that uh, one day our grandchildren, we're going to be telling them these stories and they're going to be looking at us like we come from the ark because <laughs> I suspect all these problems will go away and, and it will really sound as if, you know, we lived in the dark ages. Right. Well, I, you know, when I think about it, the you know, talk about how, um, dating myself here, but the PC, um, the Commodore 64 and the Atari 128, those were the computers that were out. And our first computer, um, because the Apple, I think at that time, I'm not even sure Apple, I think they were both coming out at the same time. And I'm such a um, reader and a node in the sense that I read all about Bill Gates at the time and whatever his name was, that was the Apple creator. And, you know, I I read books about them in the library when after the computers came out, because I wanted to understand, you know, where do they get these ideas? And, you know, it started in the garage and how cool is that? But, um, you know, we, we were learning all those things. And just to print, you had to go through four different steps with the computer. So it wasn't that you know, it was this easy thing, you know, it was like a function seven, but you had to get out of the screen and go, you know, three more steps to even get to the print screen. So we do have it so much easier now. And still, you know, we get frustrated when, you know, things don't work out the way they're supposed to. And, um, you know, I've had friends tell me, and you probably do too, that, you know, I can't understand how you do what you do, because anytime I'm on the computer, just trying to send an email, sometimes it gets frustrating. But I think part of it is for me anyway, and then I want you to share, you know, how you persevere. But it's, it's, you know, determination because I know it can be done. And I, you know, know there has to be a way. And so I try to figure it out. Yeah. um, You know, I've always, I suppose, loved the tech. And so, you know, when I was younger, my dad would be able to be around there to help and, you know, Perhaps my husband, he definitely knows more than I do. And my children quickly learned more than me. But there's always times when there's nobody else around or nobody around who wants to help you. And so, um, 
I like you, I don't like to give up. And if I want to do something, I will just keep doing it. And You know, today with being able to just search online and find normally there's a, a YouTube video to show you how to do something or there's an answer right. on a forum that, that helps you to troubleshoot the problem you're having. It makes life so much easier than when I was first programming, when we were actually you know, running our initial programming business, when I couldn't get something to work, I didn't have anywhere to, you know, I could, didn't have a Google that I could look at. And it right. was just using books and trial and error. And uh, things have really improved so much. I, I lived back in the day when I was at college, I was the last bunch that actually used uh, the actual cards with a card reader that you actually would, you know, type your, your programming out one card at a time, and then you'd go put them inside the card reader to read. So that's how. Yeah, well, that was main mainframe computers. Right. Um, well, Meryl, I am looking forward to hearing more about your podcast. Um, you are one of the podcasts I have on my phone, and I have been listening and enjoying your episodes. And so they're not terribly long, uh, moms, and you should have, and, and dads, if you're listening, and you should have your, um, you know, your kids listen to it, because I think that it's um, helpful to them. You know, it's easier sometimes for us to just put it on and listen and tell them, but it's always nice to have someone who has some background, and you can say, you know, well, you know, she codes, so, you know, it can be done, and, and uh you know, it's a, a wonderful thing to learn, uh, which I think is uh, my kids all had a, a basic coding class and none of them seemed to want to continue with that. Um, but it was much, it was a much more difficult, you downloaded the software and you printed out the book. So it was a little bit more archaic back then. And I think now having an online source that you could go to for questions and things like that would have been tremendously more helpful for us. So I appreciate uh, knowing you and knowing that you're doing this and um, bringing it to my listeners as well as your podcast on the network. So Meryl, thank you so much. And um, I look forward again to hearing more. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Vintage Homeschool Mom Show. Visit Felice at MediaAngels.com and the VintageHomeschoolMoms.com. Vintage Homeschool Moms is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.